0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, July 21st, 2013. Classic Hits Volume 3
1: Satisfaction. Good morning, Connection Church my name is carrie jones i'm alan jones and we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our lord and savior jesus christ would you pray with us please god thank you so much for this opportunity to praise and worship your name and to have some fun god you love it i think when smiles are on your our faces and we're happy to be in your house of worship in community with one another Now, God, I would ask that you would just kind of settle us down and open our hearts in a way that only you can do, and to work in and through us, to speak to us your message that's intended for each one of us in a special way. We give this time to you in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and everybody gathered said, amen.
0: So July 1965, I Can't Get No Satisfaction It's released in the United States and the Rolling Stones, the bad boys of rock and roll have their first number one record here. You know, it's interesting because a lot of times England nowadays seems a little more out there than we are uh, on some things, but back then that song was initially played only on pirate or underground unlicensed radio because its lyrics were considered too suggestive. Isn't that wild? Funny, isn't it? those words are pretty tamed by our standards today, aren't they? But, but back in 65, it was a whole different ball game. Yeah.
1: I can't get no. I love it. Satisfaction. You know, either from the things that we buy or the commercials that we see on TV, or all the stuff that we have around us, or we can't get no satisfaction from the relationships that we're involved in. You know, it really is a very appropriate song for our lives. This song by the Rolling Stones turns out to be just not another suggestive song, but actually a social commentary a song we never thought that we'd hear in church, turns out to be the stepping stone, no pun intended.
0: Yes, it is. They
1: didn't get it. The stepping stone.
0: So it was intended. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Into a message that's all about having our true needs met by the one true God who blew your existence into being, who loved you so much that it is no accident that you are here today. And that we are satisfied not by, we, not by what we see around us, but we are only satisfied by the one and through the one hanging on the cross.
0: Mm. You know, Rolling Stone Magazine has a top 500 all-time songs. Uh, Satisfaction is number two on that list, number two. And you know, if you think about it, it makes sense because this idea of not getting satisfaction is kind of universal. It's not uncommon, especially when we look for that satisfaction in people and in things. Throughout the scriptures, we find people who are trying to find satisfaction and who keep on coming up short when they look for it in all the wrong places. When the truth is only a relationship with God through Jesus Christ Can truly satisfy this hunger that we have only a relationship with jesus can fill the god-shaped hole in our soul that each of us is born with and um, even though we try to fill it with everything else in the world from positions to possessions from accolades to achievements nothing else will satisfy it
1: in the first part of the bible in the old testament there's a guy who epitomizes what we're talking about today. His name is Solomon. Solomon, he was the son of King David. His mom was Bathsheba. He is the successor to the throne of David. And Solomon had everything. He had everything that anyone could ask for, at least from a worldly standpoint. When he first took the throne, the Lord asked Solomon, what he wanted. And Solomon in his very young age, he was, he didn't fully understand how to carry out his kingly duties. And so he asked the Lord for a discerning heart to govern the people well and to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. The Lord was very pleased with what Solomon asked for And rather than a long life or wealth for himself or the death of his enemies, because remember, it was a a crazy time back then, as it continues to be now in the Middle East. Anyway, the Lord did give Solomon a wise and discerning heart. And the fact is that we are told that Solomon was the wisest man to ever live before, during, or since his time because Solomon did not ask for it. God also gave him riches and God gave him honor, so much so that no one during his lifetime was his equal. God also promised that if he walked with the Lord, if he walked in the ways of the Lord and obeyed the Lord, that God would also give him a long life.
0: And so even to this day, Solomon is known as the wisest man, the wisest person to have ever lived. Here's what the Bible has to say. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan, the Ezraite, wiser than Heman, calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahal. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also spoke about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Yeah. Can you imagine? What's it say? Understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Wow. That's just unbelievable, isn't it? People from all around coming to speak because he was so knowledgeable and so wise. No wonder he's known as the wisest man to have ever lived.
1: Well, the very next chapter we read, it's chapter 6, we read that Solomon is preparing the temple for the Lord. He has to build the temple. Now, his father, King David, really wanted to build the temple, but God chose Solomon to do that. In chapter 6, we read of the actual building of the temple and the details involved and the materials used. We also read where God tells Solomon that if, if he, Solomon, follows God's decrees... And carries out God's regulations, keeping all the commands that God will fulfill the promises made to David to live among the Hebrew people and to not abandon them.
0: And so Solomon completes the temple according to the specs that God gave him. God told him what the dimension should be, and that's what he built, exactly what God said. And so it measured 90 feet in length. 45, or excuse me, 30 feet wide, 45 feet high. That's a tall building. 45 feet high. Now, here's the interesting part, though. The very last verse of chapter 6 of 1 Kings, we're told that the temple was finished in all its details according to specifications and that Solomon had spent seven years building it. That's a pretty long time, and it's Seven years building the temple. That's the last sentence of chapter six. Now, the very next sentence, first sentence, first verse of chapter seven, the very next thing after telling us that it took seven years to build the temple, this is what scripture says. It took Solomon 13 years, however, to complete the construction of his palace.
1: Okay, so we have (laughs) seven years to build a temple. 13 years to build his palace. Are you getting a picture here? Something really seems a bit out of whack. He spends twice as much time building his personal place of reference, his palace, than he did the Lord's temple. So we've got seven years, 13 years, 90 by 30 by 45, which is what the Lord told him to do, as opposed to 150 by 75 by 45. I guess the 45, that's as tall as they were allowed to build. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) There must have been a rule or something. Okay.
0: There was an airport nearby. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) All right. So the temple was 2,700 square feet. Look at the size of his palace. Eleven thousand oh. two hundred and fifty square feet. And that's probably not real feet. big for
0: a palace, but the point is, look at the comparison to the temple—four times the size.
1: So even in Solomon's wisdom, there did seem to be a piece of him that was rather self-absorbed, rather um, self-centered. But here's the thing. Apparently the Lord was okay with that. Not the self-centeredness and self-absorbed, but what Solomon built. Here's what God says to Solomon after the temple and the palace are finished.
0: He says, I've heard the prayer and plea you have made before me. And I have consecrated this temple, which you have built by putting my name there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. As for you, if, notice this, if, If you walk before me faithfully with integrity of heart and uprightness, as David your father did, and do all I command, and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father when I said, You shall never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. But, (laughs) we should pay attention here because you know something's coming. But, if you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe the commands and decrees I've given you, and you go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel from the land I've given them and will reject this temple I've consecrated for my name. Israel will then become a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples.
1: So Solomon basically had it all. He had wisdom, he had wealth, He had God's favor. Actually, that's the biggest thing, God's favor. But Solomon was not satisfied. He wanted more, and this was his downfall. Specifically, he wanted more women. His downfall was women. Amen. Will you have control of his microphone oh, anytime? That's like, what the scripture tells us. Okay. It. Early on, Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, uh, the Pharaoh of Egypt, and married his daughter, who was a foreigner. But that was just the beginning. Here's what we read later on
0: Hold on to your seats. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites. Sidonians and Hittites, they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had, this is true love. (laughs) He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And his wives led him astray. I don't know about the concubines, but the wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil. Wow. Evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. Wow.
1: 700 wives? 300 concubines or mistresses? I mean, seriously.
0: It's only (laughs) 1,000. Just saying.
1: I I don't get this. (laughs) I don't get how he ran a country. I'm not liking them right now. I mean, truly though, couldn't he find a local girl who loved Jesus?
0: What you, would you just say? Couldn't
1: he find a local girl actually that loved God? I mean, really, God was very specific about what God wanted, and he had to go find 700 wives and 300 concubines just doesn't seem right. (laughs) I don't even know what to say about this.
0: So much for wisdom. (laughs) And, you know, here's the thing. Of course, this is probably like how he's like a lot of us. (laughs) He'd been warned, hadn't he? I mean, previously we read, God's God's basically saying, this is what you're going to do, big boy. Come on. Smarten up. He'd been warned. In fact, God's just going back to what was previously stated back, seventh chapter, book of uh, Deuteronomy. The Lord tells the Israelites not to intermarry with those uh, nations around them because they will turn their hearts to their gods. Don't let your children marry you, because they will turn their hearts away from me to their gods. And as we said, Solomon was a wise guy. I mean, a wise guy wisest man who ever lived. This guy wasn't stupid, was he? Well, so, I'd have to
1: question that. But,
0: I mean, he's still known as the wisest man who ever lived. Yeah. He'd, been get, he'd been warned. It was right there in the scriptures. He knew, he knew, and he knew, of course, don't we sometimes know, 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 but yet in spite of all his wisdom, in spite of all is not in spite of God's war- direct warning, Solomon allowed this to happen, so that not only did his head turn <laughs> toward these eyes, but his heart turned as well.
1: So the Lord said to Solomon, "Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you." I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Now, as a parent, things can happen to us, but we never want bad things to happen to our kids. Am I not right on that? Amen. So God chose that it would be his son, yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but I will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen.
0: And in fact, if you know what happens to Israel, it comes to pass. It comes to pass. King Solomon couldn't get no satisfaction, could he? Apparently. I'm just saying. He had the world by the tail. Thanks to God, but it wasn't enough, was it? And it never is when it comes to trophies. Trophy palaces or houses, trophy cars, trophy in his day chariots, trophy... If you read about Solomon, it was just, oh my gosh, abundance, abundance, abundance. Uh, trophies everywhere, and true for us as well. Trophy jobs, trophy awards, in his case, trophy wives, many, many, many of them. Trophy relationships, you know. All the things that don't have a whole lot to do with God, amen? So as the stones sang, I'm trying this, and I'm trying that. The trouble is, if we're not trying God, we can't get no satisfaction.
1: Jesus spoke a lot about money and possessions. In fact, about one-tenth of what he said was about money and possessions. That's because Jesus knew two things. First of all, money won't buy satisfaction. And number two, we keep forgetting that. Can we say number one together? Money won't buy satisfaction. Number two, we keep forgetting that. Can we say
0: number one again? (laughs) Yeah.
1: You know, we said this a few moments ago. We have been created by God. You've been created by God. Whether whether you believe that or not, that's the truth. And we've been created with a God-shaped whole. Where there's, we try to fill it with, you know, a house or a boat or a car or, or a relationship or an education or, you know, a paycheck or this or that. And we work and we work and we work and we strive and we strive and we strive and we still come up short. Oh, it feels good maybe for the moment or for the week or for the year, but ultimately we come away dissatisfied because the only thing that can fill that god-shaped void the only one is jesus christ Mm -hmm. i imagine that god-shaped hole like in the in the shape of a cross realizing god's mercy and grace and what he did for us so that we could be free from all that stuff that we strive for Mm -hmm so that we can indeed experience satisfaction. But, like Solomon, if we are not careful, we will not only be not satisfied, but everything that we try, we just keep trying more, and it gets bigger, and it intensifies more and more. And instead of being pulled closer to God, all that that we try to put in here tears us away from God.
0: Mm-hmm. Thinking of that movie Jerry Maguire, and you remember that movie Jerry Maguire, it's a movie where this guy and this girl—they, uh, long story short—they get married, but it's not the, under the greatest circumstance. Anyway, they're separated kind of for a while, and he's—and he finally realized while he's away from her that. When something really important happens, it doesn't mean as much because she's not with him. So, he flies home and there's this scene where they're all choked up and face to face after being apart for a while and he says to her, you you complete me, oh my gosh, the most romantic moment in movie, you know? The problem is it's romantic but it's not true. She can't complete him. Because the only thing that can complete him is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that completes us. Now, that's not to say we might not find our soul made and you know, we have a great but that's not truly what completes us. The only thing that fills that hole in our soul is that relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now a real challenge though sometimes is this, even when we're following God, even when we're doing our Bible readings and our devotions and our small group together and serving here at church and and we're tithing our money and all the things that we're told bring us closer to God, even when we're doing all those things, sometimes we still don't feel really satisfied. Sometimes we're not feeling fulfilled. We're still kind of feeling that hole in our soul. We start to even wonder what's going on. And when that happens, it's really, really, really difficult to keep on keeping on. Amen? Maybe you've been there. It's challenging to keep doing the disciplines that we're supposed to be doing to keep us close to God when we're not feeling it. It's tough when we're doing all that we're told to be doing. And instead of enjoying an oasis... (laughs) We feel like we're still wandering in the desert like Moses, wondering if God's even there.
1: Well, the truth is, God is there. God is there even when we don't feel it. Our relationship with God is not based on a feeling. It is based on a decision in faith. Even when we're not sure if what we're doing makes a difference, God is still there even when we are in this dry spell god is still there even when we sense that god is far away god is still there even when we do everything that god you know we we've heard the stories we keep doing doing it and we're not feeling it god is still there eventually we will experience God. We will feel some satisfaction. That desert time is critical to our growth. We can learn so much during that time. It may take a long time. It may take a lot of prayer. It certainly will take patience, and it absolutely will take perseverance. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. If you're there right now, be encouraged and keep walking. Keep doing. Keep doing. Hang in there. Satisfaction is coming.
0: And we speak from experience because Carrie and I have both been there one time or another where we're feeling very far from God, not feeling his presence, not feeling his love. Each of us at different times wandering in I would call the wilderness. For me, it wasn't so much a desert, but it was like undergrowth where I was looking for the path and I and I couldn't find it. It was a two-year journey, as was for Carrie at one time. Two years searching for the path, seeking God's face, knowing he's there, but feeling a distance. And But the thing is, you stay faithful. We stay faithful because, as Carrie said, it's not based on an emotion. It's based on a decision. And we stay faithful because we had decided to follow Jesus. You know that song, don't you? I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. (laughs) There's an old Stephen Curtis Chapman song where he talks about uh, one of the explorers who he thought the guys were going to go back to the homeland so they burned the ships. (laughs) You ain't going home. (laughs) we burned the ships. Even though we weren't feeling close, the ships were burned, we're staying, we're, we're praying, we're gonna keep going through the motions even if we're not fully feeling it because we know, we know God is there. And even though we might not feel it at that particular moment, we keep doing what we're called to do, reading the scripture, doing our church work, giving, sharing, connecting with Christ, and with time, satisfaction comes. Once again, feeling God's presence. Once again, um, knowing He's there right beside you. And the thing is, God never leaves. (laughs) Like they say, if you feel a distance, it wasn't God who moved. Keep on keeping on.
1: So I'm curious how many people here were here five years ago? Okay, so five years ago from 2008 to 2010 I was in that place. You might not have known it although I did speak of it during that time. And I got up every Sunday and continued to preach and continued to read the Bible and continued to pray with you, but I wasn't like feeling it. But with diligence, with prayer, with practicing spiritual disciplines, I knew in faith that God would be teaching me during that time and would pull me out of that pit to a brighter day, which in fact, happened at some point so if that's where you are today be encouraged pay attention to what God wants to teach you during that time if you're not feeling Christ at all if you don't even know who he is today might be the day to explore that to dig deep you know Solomon lived Solomon learned the hard way you know the good news Embrace the relationship with Christ because when we do, the lows will never be quite as low. And we get to fellowship with the one true God and with one another every single day. God gives us promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So take that and hold that tight and carry it with you every single day that's the good news let's live it let's believe it amen let's pray almighty god thank you that we could learn from your word found in scripture in in the book of first kings god the way that you use solomon and all that he wrote in in proverbs he his wisdom. Wow, when I think about scooping up just a handful of sand and, and he received all that wisdom. God, thank you for sharing his downfall with us because each one of us has lots of uh, places where we are disobedient, where we stray. But the great news, God, is that you never release us from your grip. Thank you for that promise. Thank you for your love, for your mercy, for your forgiveness. Help us come before you and be satisfied. We pray this in your name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, Please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302 378 7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that He offers.